Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I am Bradley and joining me this week is someone who went round every individual Steam user's house, took a steamy dump on their literal keyboards and still got a better review score than eFootball 2022. It's Stu. How are you doing, Stu? Pretty good, mostly because of staying away from eFootball because, oh, wow, that looks yep. so bad. Yeah, just for the listenership, that's what Pro Evolution Soccer has turned into. And if you want a review of how it's turned out, watch the Stephanie Sterling video that talks about it because they go into great detail about yes. why it is such utter garbage. Yeah, no, I, I, I was, um, was going to pick up on it and then I watched it and just went, everyone knows about that. That's good. If, uh, if Stephanie Sterling's talking about it, then it's, yeah, it's, um, it's bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those. I'm not even tempted to try just to see how bad it is. I'm not. It, it sounds so bad that I don't even want to do that. Yeah, no, I'm not even. I mean, sometimes when a game's that bad, you're intrigued, especially if it's free, to download it and just see how bad it is. But I think Konami would see any download as a victory. So no, quite right, quite right. Um, do you know what else is not always a huge theme interred on your keyboard? What's that? That would be video games. Ah, yeah, of course. Have you been playing any? Yeah, a good few this week, actually. I've knuckled down and made a proper effort to fit it in. And, oh, yeah. Could you maybe have Sonic and knuckled? Oh, oof. That physically hurts. You wish you had now. Oh, yeah, man. (laughs) I might have to travel down and give you a slap for that one. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. I deserve it. But, yeah, well, the first one I've been playing is UN Squadron on the SNES. Uh, aka area 88 so yeah really properly old game so it's 30 years old mm-hmm. almost to the day and it's just an absolute cracker and if anyone doesn't know it's a side scrolling shooter based loosely in real world sorts of physics and airplanes so you you pick a fighter and you go off and you fight the enemy and you, you build up your weapons but it has a couple of really unique quirks that make it great for a start it has a kind of fire control system like so if you've got you've got a health bar if you get hit you don't die straight away but you're vulnerable and if you get hit again after that you take loads of damage but if you uh if you wait long enough and it, it you'll have a fire control system that semi repairs the, the damage and then you can take more damage so it's kind of like a risk reward of of how much you have of that and what sort of perils and scrapes you can get in and out of um, and it has a, a like a currency system. The more enemies you destroy, the more cash you get, and then you can spend that on weapons, which replenish in between levels, and you buy them in between levels. And as a, as a game in and of itself, it's it, it still feels unique because it's got the great thing where you've got in a very much like Pac Man, you've got kind of like some enemies have a prescribed route, and if you crash into them, that's kind of on you. You have enemies that deliberately go for one goal and they'll go via you or whatever and then you'll have those that deliberately go after you and in in the meantime they have like bullets and they have hardware like missiles that come at you and missiles can be destroyed and bullets can't so it's kind of like you know really clever dodging around and and knowing what's what and even when you get to learn the patterns in the game you can't just rely on that and then go on learned behavior you have to you have to go on reactions you have to use your your skills quote unquote you know in my case very limited and get through it that way as well 
And yeah, it's just an absolutely fabulous horizontal shooter. It's one of the best ever made. And if you've not played it before, you've got to track it down. I've not played it before. Don't think I'd even heard of it before. So I, yeah, I might look out for that. Oh one. wow! Yeah, I've, I've, I've probably got it on my own Pandora box. I'll probably I'll see if I've got it on there first. If not, I'll I'll seek it out. Yeah. So as you've not uh, come across it before, just a couple of notes very very quickly. So the uh, it's from it's by Capcom. And the arcade game is different from the SNES version, although they look almost identical. Well, yeah, in stills at least. <laughs> uh, a lot more animation in the in the arcade version. But the arcade one is a much more straightforward. You pick a plane from a selection of three, and they have different abilities, and it's very much focused on two-player. And then it plays out like a regular shoot-em-up. The SNES one is the one that you, you pick a character, and then you can buy different planes as you go along as you gain more cash and some of them are better for different scenarios and the thing is they can only a little bit like ace combat but in a much sort of older 2d style certain planes can only carry certain weapons so you have to pick the right tool for the job so it adds a layer of you know a little bit of um you know judgment and practice and training and yeah yeah uh, and it's it's just one of those really good you know, it just adds such an extra dimension to it. Like the kind of, like the dealer in Resident Evil 4, you know, uh, the merchant. It, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's it just one of those things that adds a, a whole new dimension to it. And it's one of the rare times when, you know, the home version was arguably superior to the arcade. Both are worth playing. I would recommend that you prioritise the SNES one, though, because, you know, that's the better one. Oh, definitely, yeah. It's something to note down for when my vision improves and I've got a bit of time. But yeah, that one's definitely noted down. I do like... I'm finding myself enjoying the horizontal shooters um, a lot. I think they're my preferred out of the shooter genres, yeah. but it's um, I, I've one I've not played, so definitely on my list. Awesome. So, yeah. Um, what, what have you been playing? Have you been able to play anything? Yeah, I've played two this week. Well, I've actually played four, but I can't... At time of recording, I'm not sure if we'll go out before or after embargo. So I'm only going to talk about two this week. One of them is... uh, We spoke about underappreciated gems last week. And there's another one which I think sort of falls into that category. Because I think it got a bit of an unfair reputation in in some corners. And that's Alan Wake. Oh, yeah. So I've been playing the remastered Alan Wake. And the... It's one of those games that I played first time around. I think I played all the DLC that came out for it. I played the spin-off American Nightmare that came out for it as well on uh, uh, Xbox Live Arcade. Um, I just really fell in with the Alan, with Alan Wake. I thought it was a really well-made game. The whole sort of like serial nature of it, like TV show type thing. The Twin Peaks-esque twilight zone outer limits type aesthetic that went with it as well all just fit it absolutely ah perfectly um i thought it was the story was cheesy but in that good tv way it was well acted it had loads of little easter eggs and secret bits in there and you know i think the protagonist and antagonist in the game were spot on as well now the best thing about being adhd sometimes is i go back into a game i rinsed 10 years ago i want to say and it's like i never played it and i just went through it all again like completely fresh yeah um and i i'm about 
I would say a third of the way through it at the moment. And a couple of little memory triggers have come in and gone, oh, I remember this bit. And yeah, this is really good. And I just absolutely enjoying the hell out of it again. And what I think this does, and I think it's a perfect game for October, it's a perfect spooky game, because Alan Wake's not a horror game. It's not a scary game, I don't think, personally. But what it does better than many horror games is its use of tension and things not happening because when i first played alan wake and even now now i sort of know what i what might come those moments of nothingness are so panic inducing at the same time you feel your heart going you feel really on edge and sometimes nothing will happen from it it's like little like glints of light will happen. And it was, oh my God, is that something? And you kind of, do I go and investigate it? Or you know you're only safe in the light. So you sort of like, you're at one light bit and you see, oh, there's, there's that over there and I've got to get to that. But that's a huge open space I've got to go through and I'm vulnerable. And you will, sometimes you'll get through that space and nothing will even bother trying to get you. Other times you are under attack. And it uses tension and builds suspense so, so well. Better than, I would say, 99% of horror games that are out there. Yeah. And yeah, I, I absolutely adore Alan Wake. He's not without faults. You know, I'm not going to bother going into, like, there's control issues. And, you know, it's it's aged a little bit in some aspects because that that's part and parcel. What I, All I know is that I absolutely adore Alan Wake. Um, and the remaster looks beautiful, by the way. Um, I've heard some people complain that it doesn't look good enough for... As though it's this gen, don't care, still looks beautiful, the lighting is amazing. And yeah, if you get a chance, give it a go. Yeah, well, a remaster is a remaster and a remake is a remake. And I think a remaster has a a kind of a duty to iron out any problems, but keep the spirit of the original and not step on it. And I think, you know, it sounds like it's done that, Yeah, which is is what I want from a remaster. Um, But yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, I'm not as probably as a bigger fan as you but I really enjoyed it and I think that like you said Remedy just like nail the atmosphere completely and that drives you through and it kind of steamrolls over the kind of any of the little more janky bits you know and it's definitely their best story even though Control is is a very good story as well Control's a better game. I will yeah. I will give that to them. It's a better game, but that's only because it's it they've learned from sort of certain bits, quality of life better. But I would say Anna Wake's a better experience yeah. for me. Yeah, I think it's got its reputation for a really good reason, yeah. It really deserves it. And it's a bit of a landmark and it doesn't really seem to have been bettered in that space, I would say, since then. No, uh no, no. I think mean, the only other game I remembered that really tried to serialisations thing within a single game was that tragic alone in the dark thing. Yeah. That kind of forgot what alone in the dark should mean. I thought the idea was sound, but it just wasn't executed very well. And I think when a lot of people then saw that Alan Wake was doing it, I think that might have put a lot of people off going, oh my God, that was rubbish in that. Um, forgetting that Blur did it as well, and that did it really well for a racing game, as did Split Second, yeah. and they worked really well. But yeah, Alan Wake nails it, um, especially like the, the radios and the TV screens and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, there's so many good set pieces there. I, I don't want to say anything about it because anyone who's not played it, 
You're looking at probably people that are in their, what, 20s now, mid-20s, probably haven't touched this game. It's, yeah, I think they're in for a special treat. They really, really are. Uh, but I think it's out on pretty much all the major consoles. So I think it's on, like, Xbox One, Xbox Series, PS4, PS5, and PC. It's not got a Switch version, but doesn't matter. All DLC included, but no American Nightmare. So maybe put American Nightmare on Switch. No, just saying. <laughs> yeah, that just would be saying. a good idea. Yeah, no, a lot of people probably won't have touched it. Like you say, it was only a middling success, no. I think, when it came out, which, you know, its reputation has grown over the years. And, and you know, yeah, it's a, it's a perfect time. It was a, meant to be a big exclusive, wasn't it, for Xbox? And then it kind of got delayed and delayed and delayed. And I don't, I don't know why. Because I think it met expectations. That's That's the weird thing. But it kind of didn't for a lot of people. A lot of people just went, oh, yeah, whatever. Now, it's not not, not fussed. And it was exactly around the time the PS3, I think, started to gain traction again. So I think a lot of people had had their gaze turned towards that. So I I don't know. I think it was a a culmination of things that stopped it being the major success it should have been. Uh, But one last thing I want to point out about Remedy around the time of Alan Wake. It's one of the only times properly in gaming I think I've seen someone do the level of marketing cleverly, like the original Blair Witch marketing, where there was a lot of stuff that surrounded the game that was done in such a really clever and niche way that I think helped me buy it because I bought into almost like the ARG stuff that was around it. But uh, yeah, just I, I could wax lyrical about Alan Wake for a long time and I don't want to go too far because I'll go into spoiler territory and I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, some things just resonate really well with you and, and that one sounds like it did. And funnily enough, it moves on nicely into the game that I've been playing this week, which is called In Sound Mind. And that's also a kind of, it's not a horror, but it's, you know, it's, it's creepy and got a lot of tension in it. And it's kind of got elements of... Alan Wake and Resident Evil and Silent Hill and things like that. Mm. So it's kind of if you're in if you're into that sort of terror thing, it's one of those that you you know somebody might stumble over. And so yeah, I mean it's first person and it's very much you know especially when it starts, it reminded me a lot of that one that I'm not going to remember the name of. Dear something. The Dear Esther. Dear Esther. That's the one. Yeah, reminds you very much of like Dear Esther yeah. and other kind of, you know, disparagingly called walking simulators. And you wake up, basically, you wake up in a basement. There's some sort of ur- emergency going on in the background. When you run into a TV, it's got like a, you know, emergency broadcast system sign on it. You look out of the windows of the building and there's like everything's like flooded and, you know, dark and there's nobody around. And it fairly quickly transpires that you're a psychiatrist or a psychologist and you've been treating patients and their experiences are somehow the key to what you're experiencing now. And it's obviously a kind of... It doesn't try and hide the fact that you're trapped within memories rather than it being the real world because it constantly alludes to it right from the start. Mm. But it's laid out like a traditional game in that you know you have to do kind of puzzles you have to collect keys and unlock doors you have to find routes into places you have to you know get items that will combine with other items and things like that and you get a gun and i've not had to use it in combat yet but you use that for some puzzles 
Uh, it's got this very heavy atmosphere that's, got, like I say, like those games that I mentioned. Also, you know, it takes a lot of ghost story kind of vibes. It's got, you know, a dark, you know, dark undercurrent, undertone, and the music's very threatening and all of that sort of stuff. And you get phone calls from, from this guy who's, you know, sounds like a serial killer. I won't go into too much detail to spoil the specifics, but it's kind of very well put together. Um yeah, you know it. It kind of has the trappings and the outs, like the external appearance of being like Dear Esther and, and games of that ilk, you know. And everyone's gone to the Rapture and, and games like that. But there's a bit more involved. There's a bit more environmental interaction with it than there are with those things. And it's less around. I mean, there's still those things of like you discover audio, you know, that you listen to, and it explains the story. Um, but it it has le- it's it's less focused on that than it is on you know traversal and and puzzle solving and stuff like that. Yeah. But ultimately, at heart, even though like if you did a sizzle reel for it, it would look like Resident Evil Seven. It is really a kind of walking simulator. You know, there's there's no kind of to the point that I'm up to. There's nothing that's really a barrier. There's there's some puzzles that are a little trickier than others, but. You know, by and large, it's it's kind of about the experience rather than it is about gameplay mechanics. Yeah, yeah, it wants you to progress and see the story rather than try and force you to do stuff, yeah. so to speak, yeah. just for the sake of it. Yeah, definitely, definitely where I'm up to anyway. About, I don't know, somewhere between a third and a halfway through, put a good few hours into it. It's all right. I would say it's all right. Mm. It's not fantastic. I mainly because it doesn't do anything particularly well, which sounds really harsh, but the writing is kind of okay. You know, the the mechanics of the puzzles are okay. The, the thought behind them is okay. The aesthetics are okay. There's nothing that really elevates it, and I think that's okay if it's kind of short. Uh, like, one of the very first games I played this year that that we talked about and I reviewed was Sunlight, which is the yeah. yeah, that's a walking simulator, and that's about half an hour, forty-five minutes. Yeah. And this is a kind of, you know, five to eight hour experience. And it's kind of it's already dragging now that I'm halfway through and I'm like, oh kind of wish I was done. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's inter- it's got some interesting ideas and I applaud the some of the execution of them, but it's not really doing anything special special at the moment no that that's fair enough i mean it's one i was interested in i think i passed the code on to you because i just too much and vision and uh, and stuff like that and i know it's a psychological horror and you described it exactly what i was assuming it would would be the problem is and i think this is where the problem comes in with some of these games is i believe it's probably what a 15 16 hour game or something like that i believe maybe even a bit more and it drags psychological horror. I think horror in general needs to be shorter because you start getting bored or used to the atmosphere or what it's trying to do. There's a reason things like the Halloween films, like the like the good Halloween films, why Friday the 13th, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, why they work because they're shorter. When you start getting these long-form psychological horrors or just horrors in general, they start to lose something very, very quickly. Dead Space, I thought, worked really well because it was shorter segments stitched together. It was actually quite a short game. Yet I've played other horrors where I get bored after a while. Outlast, I got bored. 
because it was the same thing from start to finish, spread yeah. over too much of a time. Didn't yeah. scare me. I mean, I, I said before, I don't really get scared by these things, but the tension that I went in first of all, I was like, oh my God, this is really tense. And then by about an hour in, it was the same tension. I was like, right, something's going to happen soon. Something's going to happen. Evil Within, I thought done a decent job of it, but again, dragged it out too far. And I think that's the trap so many of these games fall into that if they're not a certain amount of time people won't care rather than go what are our strengths yeah and then it just all gets spread too thinly and it sounds like this kind of falls into that trap a bit a good game spread too thinly yeah i mean i couldn't agree more with what you said about how they have to pace out horror and the shorter the experience is often the best and yeah you know particularly with with films without a shadow of a doubt and there's an argument that you know the best stuff could you know is almost like a short story length you know it's like a half hour or you know an hour and a half at the absolute latest and yeah. you know you certainly don't need more than an hour and a half and you shouldn't do it because it gets no. wearing like you say and you start disengaging and it's because you can't be tense at that level for the entire time yeah. and the best horror films have you know characters that you care about so that you can move away from the horror and concentrate on them as people. Yeah. And the best sort of horror games are the ones that aren't constantly foreboding. They have space, safe spaces or conversations or, you know, adventure kind of bits or platformy bits mm. that are just like, yeah, you can just tell that it's broken up. Like, you know, you say dead space and... And yeah, it does. Unfortunately, it doesn't do that. It tries to maintain the same pitch the whole way through, and that is very, very tiring. And I think, you know, if it had wrapped up in two hours or even an hour and a half, like the best horror films, that would have been better. Yeah. So I mean, I, the other way to do it, and some games have tried to do this, like Doki Doki Literature, Literature Club tries to do that bait and switch thing, is. I think two good examples. One I can remember the name of, and the other film I can't remember the name of. But you've got like Audition is two separate films, and only a very short amount of Audition is horror. The rest of it is a love story, and it's, it's on for like the love story portion of it is on probably for about an hour and a half itself. And then you've got this 10 to 20 minute segment of pure horror with just little nuggets thrown in there throughout just to tease you that it's coming i mean that works really well and then you've got this um uh, it's the arnold schwarzenegger film where he's got he's like he's got a daughter and his daughter's been bit by a zombie and oh, she's yeah. going to turn i can't remember what it's, it's called and he looks after her and yeah he's got a, that a girl's name hasn't it i can't remember which one i want to say mandy but i'm pretty sure that's the nicholas cage the nicholas thing. cage one yeah, yeah. But it's something like, I really can't remember. I watched it and it was just like, I was like, oh, this is like I put it on going, oh, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's going to be, yeah, it'll do just to have on. And again, that's horror elements sprinkled throughout a different type of film. And it worked really effectively. And sometimes with, with these sort of games, and I can't point to In Sound Mind specifically, but again, based on what you're describing, this would be better if it took many of its horror elements, possibly, and spread it throughout, such as Gone Home. I find that quite an eerie game to play. That's almost horrorish in some elements, but it, it sprinkles it throughout really, really well. And this maybe doesn't quite do that by the sounds of it. Yeah, that's right. No, it doesn't quite. I, I don't I don't want to be too mean on it. I think if 
I think if people have played very few of these things and they're put off by any kind of, you know, again, walking simulator, but, you know, let's call them immersive sims. Um, yes. You know, if they're put off by that, this might be a, a halfway decent gateway drug because it does have more of the interaction elements that the, the genre doesn't have. Yeah. So you might want to dip your toe in. But I will always, no matter how people react to it, I would always have that caveat hanging over it of, you know, be prepared for it to be quite a long game for this style. Modern Call of Duty is pretty much a walking simulator. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. But yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing it because I still really want to play in sound mind and it's you know as i said it sounds a good game uh, obviously we focused on the the length thing and we kind of thrown it in with all the other mistakes made by bigger games uh more accomplished studios possibly at the time but it's you know from your experience it's a good game that you know you, you want to go to bed and you're going i don't want to tell you to leave but you know let's, let's maybe wrap it up now yeah yeah, it's like you said, and like Bilbo said, you know, butter spread over too much bread, that kind of a thing. Mm. Yes, I'll pretend I know what that one is. <laughs> it sounds like, is it a Tolkien thing? It is, yeah. Yes. Only because I know what a Bilbo is. I've never seen the films properly. <laughs> Fair play. I keep falling asleep. They are very relaxing for the most part. And it's also because I tried watching them at like when I was younger at like three, four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's probably not a good plan. No, I've done that with Magnolia as well. That that was a weird trip to wake up to after you slept for half hour through a mag, through Magnolia. But what the hell is happening now? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I was trying to find a way to segue into my next game or my other game from last week, and I can't find a proper segue. Yeah. So I've been playing a game called The Last Friend, which is basically pet the dog the game in a way. Um, it's post apocalyptic type thing i suppose is the best way of putting it and you come across like it's like dogs are being like taken away and killed or whatever and they're just trying to get rid of dogs um which i'm okay with because i'm a cat person <laughs> bit harsh i know um, yes. you play you play his character <laughs> you play this character called alfred who lost his dog and um he's going through this like wasteland like type thing and comes across a dog that's like being attacked and he saves the dog and it's called like t juan or something like that twang i can't it's t juan and anyway so he saves the dog and they become a partnership and what you've essentially got with this game is a like an action brawler like a side scrolling action brawler in the vein of uh, streets of rage or double dragon or something like that where you do actual uh, close quarters combat okay. um, but you've also got this tower defence mode to it that uses what I think I still think like an underutilised tower defence actually where do you know the original Plants vs Zombies yeah it's kind of got that mode to it but it's like much faster action and bright and neon colours and anime styles and stuff like that but you're at one end and everything's trying to get through to you and you've got these things you place down and they attack and all stuff like that um my first thoughts when i first got this code to review it i was like this it's it's going to be one of those where i think it's going to be not enough of either thing to work together Um, but surprisingly it does it works really well. So you start recruiting teams of dogs 
Um, so you have all these different dog types. That's what you're using your tower defense as you're going through doing all like the the other bits, like with the actual like full on fight, like Streets of Rage style fighting. And I still can't get my head around exactly what the game's trying to be. All I know is it works, and it, I, I'm, re- I'm really enjoying it. I mean, it's probably the first action tower defense type game I've played. And I say it takes a lot of anime influences in terms of its animations and the way it tells the story, which is really good. And it's got one of the best taglines as well. Um, it well go says, on. Because <laughs> you've got to collect all the dogs. There's loads of dogs like you would in a Pokemon. Got to pet them all. Uh, I was like, yeah, yeah. that'll do. Yeah. I'm in. Very good. Because it's, yeah, so, and you can pet the dogs um, because that's important for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere for me, this one. I don't know why I wanted to try to say I'm not a big fan of dogs anyway. I um, don't know why. I had a lovely freak. So, right, just on the side, here comes the ADHD bit. I'm really sorry. <laughs> when I was younger, um, I used to live on the Mardike Estate. Um, anyone who's from Essex and South, uh, South East, uh, East London will know what the Mardike Estate is. But I used to live on the Mardike Estate. And we had three dogs. Like, I used to sort of, like, basically look after me. It's like this... Um, I had a muggle called Lucky. We had a Doberman called Ross and a Jack Russell, whose name I forget right now. But um, they used to basically, my mum used to send me out to a little like concrete park that she could see from her flat with the dogs. One dog would stand at the bottom of the um, of the steps as I went up the slide. One of the, and the other big one would sit at the bottom of the slide as I went up and down. And apparently if anyone else came near me, they'd go... Rrr. <laughs> it's like look after me so i don't know why i don't like dogs because i had two amazing dogs when i was younger but yeah the last friend is really really good really enjoying it um unlike what you spoke about it with in sound mind i'm probably about five hours into it and i think i'm coming to the end so ah, sweet spot yeah, I mean, I would like kind. Part of me wants every game to be no longer than two hours. <laughs> yeah, and especially how old we are now. Yeah, precisely. But you know, don't even have to be like infinitely replayable. But you know, a little bit of replay value, two hours long, I'd still pay full price because I'm. I don't know. That's just yeah. the way I feel about it. But yeah, I'm okay with epics. I'm okay if you want to make an epic, make an epic. But make an epic. Don't feel you've got to spread your game out. Once you get to a point and go, this feels enough, but it's short, fine. It's fine. That sounds like, absolutely yeah. fine. A good way of describing it, definitely. Yeah, I mean, this, I say this about, I mean, it might go on a bit longer, but I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm coming to the end with it. And I'm, I'm starting to reach that point where I, I, I think I've reached a point of when, if this is now the final section, I'm happy. If it does a bait and switch and goes, there's another 10 hours to go, I might go off oh, crying out loud. Yeah. But, but so far, I, I had a look. So I don't know if people have heard of it or anything like that. Um, it's got a prologue out as well. So that must, might have come out last year, possibly. Yeah, it's reviewing well across the board. So it's like got, uh, like God is a Geek, which I know is like a fairly reputable indie, indie review site, giving it like a nine out of 10 and stuff like that. So it's not just, sometimes you know you've got to check, go, am I the only one? I've looked and it's reviewing really well as well. So I'm good to see that, yeah, if, if you've not done this or you're someone who's not a big indie person, then this is one worth looking out for and giving a go. Yeah, I always like it when I get reassured by those sorts of things. Well, we're human beings, we need that reassurance. 
Because yeah. you know, stuff like um, Deathloop getting a nine in Edge magazine, and I'm like, God, you know, I mean, I don't score games, but you know, for me, it's a six at best. Yeah, you know, because it's it just it makes so many mistakes that are core to to how a game should control and play. Yeah, that it, to me, it just fails. But obviously, like we were talking about the other week, when you're a games reviewer, just like when you're a film critic, even if something is solid. You know, if it's been done quite a lot before, you're kind of bored of it. Yeah. Whereas anything new, even if it's not very competently done, kind of strikes a chord with you because you've seen so much of the regular stuff and you're yeah. so used to the. A bit like Shenmue. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, God awful game, but I, everyone <laughs> loved it at the time. I did. I yeah. loved it at the time. I'm, it's rubbish. I'm like you. I, I'm not a big fan, but I know people. Oh, I was. It. I was. Mm. I absolutely adored it. It's rubbish. <laughs> I played it again. I went, no, this is really bad. Um, I only play it again. I, play, I think I'd like, just give me any mini games. I just want the arcade games that you can do. Those, um, but I've just... Go on. Oh, sorry, yeah. No, I was just going to say, you know, those sorts of games are the ones that nowadays, they get like sevens or eights for the most part. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's got problems. But it's really good. And then a year down the line... You get all those articles that go, why wasn't Deathloop any good? Yeah. And it's like, but you said it was great, you lying tool. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> get re- I get I like, really I, frustrated. I, I do it, because you know me, I'm, I'm sorry, talking of dogs, I like a dog with a like, a like a puppy that's just been given a new toy. Sometimes. I'm like, oh, I love this, I love this, I love this. And I've always been like that with games. Yeah. And then I've got to kind of backtrack a little bit. You know, I, I stand by it with a scent. It's still really good. I, I gave that another go the other day, and I'm still really enjoying that. If like slow progress through for me, still really good. Come at me, <laughs> but it's yeah. No, with this one, I just looked up the last friend on Steam just to double check its price. Just over eleven quid, which I think is a fair price for what you get out of it. And on the feed, it goes: Is this game relevant to you because you play Plants vs Zombies and Kingdom Rush? So there you go. It's, it's that's where it comes in. Um, doesn't mention Streets of Rage or anything. It should do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Steam's actually pretty good, isn't it? At, at that, saying, "Oh, it's yeah. within this kind of falls within this sphere or sector of stuff that you enjoy." And and yeah, it tends to be fairly fairly good. Yeah. And it's a pure single player game as well. Oh, so there's great. no. So what you know you're going to get with it? There's no microtransactions. There's no baiting you into multiplayer and extra bits there. You pay your 11 quid, you play a single-player campaign, you're done. Nice. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. More of those games, please. Definitely. So that's it for me. I, well, I'm going to touch on one thing. Two games that I can't talk about yet because I said I don't know if we come out before or after embargo, so I'm not risking it. Um, but also, I today... The day ahead of its release, I've got my Switch code for Tetris Effect connected. Expect lots of chat next week. Excellent. And did you have to pay or did you get a review code? I got a review code. Hey. I would have paid, so more fool them. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Got one over on the man there. Yeah. Uh, I do like Enhance. They are really, really, really good at what they do. Not just in terms of their PR side of it really good, by the way, just to sort of like big them up a little bit. I've got the key, I don't need to do this, but they are (laughs) really good, really, really friendly, very active across social media. They will retweet even smaller channels. I mean, we're a small channel, but I've I've seen them retweet even much smaller channels than we are as well. They're happy for any attention and they just seem to love what they do 
and they've made I want to say arguably the best version of Tetris since the original Tetris so yeah. you know more please I don't know what they're going to do next enhance do droplets droplets effect do that <laughs> I'll play that a music based droplets game all in fair enough yeah uh, so is that you played any more or were you yeah I have yeah I've played one more go on then and that's a game we've talked about before because you were playing the beta or I'm not sure demo whatever Unmetal it is yes so yeah so I I, I think it was early access I think I played right, yes right yeah so yeah I, I, I bought it paid for it with my own money mainly because I always kind of enjoyed the original Metal Gear games am I enjoying this one no <laughs> no I'm not and there are a couple of reasons one is, is, is the lesser one, but it's based on what you were saying uh, when you were talking about it originally, which is it's very meta. Yeah. It's very kind of satirical uh, about games in general, but Metal Gear specifically. So it's riffing on the way that you talk to each other in that game and, and the subjects of conversations and reality and, and stuff like that. And like we were saying about In Sound Mind, if you do one thing... You've got to do it if you if you're only going to do one thing, thematically, you have to do it flawlessly, pretty much. Yeah, you know, otherwise it gets very wearing. Yeah, I think I said I was unsure about the humour, yeah. whether it worked or not, didn't I? Did. That's in the short time I played it. You yeah. said, yeah, I think you said that it did for the time that you played. It did, but I was worried that, it wouldn't yeah. last. Yeah. yeah, and you were you were bob on because <laughs> for me it just there are some funny there are some funny lines in it. But one of the things that really gets irritating is the constant interruption for it to tell jokes. And, ah. you know, that kind of mirrors the constant interruption of the Metal Gear games for them to talk to you, which, you know, that's Kojima. If you don't like it, don't play his games. I do. Uh, I, I yeah. have my limits, but, you know, I, I don't know. There's just something about the comment. You never know where he's going with it. You know, it, there's always a weird take and a strange direction that that Kojima is going to bring to the table. Whereas this is the same type of joke over and over. I appreciate them trying it. I don't think they quite pull it off, but that's not my biggest complaint with the game anyway. And my biggest complaint of the game is that that the moment to moment gameplay is just not fun, really. Mm. Um, not for me. I think people who are a Metal Gear obsessives, and when I talk about Metal Gear obsessives, I mean Metal Gear, not Metal Gear Solid, because I'm obsessed with the Metal Gear Solid series. Yeah, but I, I've never really been a big fan of the originals. I think they're all right; they were okay for the time, but they've dated really badly, and it feels dated. You know, it very, very dated yeah. and very limited. It's deliberately so, but you know I, that limitation just doesn't strike a chord with me. To the point where it got quite irritating after a while because, you know, certain angles, your diagonals don't work or don't work very well. You know, and just all sorts of stuff that, you know, that's just part of it, really. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's not to say that it's a bad game because I don't think it's a bad game. I think it's it's a good game, but it's only a good game if you want to play Metal Gear again. If you want to go back to 1987 and play a game that has received pretty much no you know influence over over 35 almost years yeah then you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it but 
I think that's a, a vanishingly small niche of people. If you are one of yeah. those, you'll like it. If you're not, I would say do what you did and play the demo or, you know, whatever is available. Yeah, yeah, equivalent. yeah. And, yeah, just see whether you like it. But for me, no, I, I didn't like it, I'm afraid. Yeah, so where I was when I played it, yeah, I played probably just a small section of it. And when I was done with it, again, I can't remember if I mentioned this on my original talk about this. I've had no desire to go and check it out again. I think I got my fill of it in that small portion. Yeah. It feels like it's, if this had been released as a game jam game and put out, I probably everyone probably would have raved about it. I'd imagine going really good. You know, they've made this like Metal Gear type game and everything. And oh, it's funny. But then you try and make a full game out of it. And again, it's it's not enough to to give it the substance, the Metal Gear substance. Hey, nice. <laughs> that it needs. I agree. I had to think about, was that a subtitle for other games when I went for it? It's like, yeah, I think it was. <laughs> Metal Gear 2. It was 2, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's Metal Gear Solid 2, sorry. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, it doesn't have that. And the, 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 the I want to say, probably wasn't even an hour, a full hour, but it felt like it. That was enough for it and it's a shame that they haven't been able to build on that i mean if it had started off with that and then even if they had gone like for like even like the all the little nuances that like metal gear originally had and then done a quick script flip and went now we've modernized it for the rest of the game in some way you know loads of quality of life suddenly comes into it at this point i think that would have been a really almost kojima-esque way of doing it oh you're not you're not gonna believe this but i was gonna say the exact same thing i was gonna say (laughs) what they should have done was have that they should have done what they did with the tanker level for metal gear 2 yeah so they should have like the game the the early access you played was that then when you get the full game yeah at the two hour mark it flips and the graphic style changes the the quality of life comes in you've got you know vision cones for the enemies you've got radar you've got um yeah. you know cqc you know all of this stuff uh tranquilizer darts you know all of this stuff brought in and it would have been such a mic drop you know what i mean yeah part of me partly hopes and you know again it's a competent game from what i played of it it was definitely competent i think for what you've played of it it's competent but you just don't like it which is fair enough but part of me hopes the developers are sitting there going oh yeah that could have been cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it um, may well have been beyond them, but hopefully, you know, if this sells well, then in future they could do that. That would be really good. I think it needs it. I, I do think it needs it. Yeah. I mean, they need to kind of shift completely. For me, even if they, even if it was in the Metal Gear Solid engine and looked phenomenal, well, you know, I don't know whether people think that PlayStation graphics look phenomenal, but, you know, and it looked amazing for an indie game. Uh, in 3D, I think that they still need to strip out that gimmick of, you know, of it just being constant meta humour and, you know, side swipes at, at games. It, it just doesn't work over that duration. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. And I say, it's, it, it works out. I mean, it's a... It's very hard. I don't want to dump on it too far because, okay, it's a competent game. It's, you know, it's probably 10 times better than many games that come and try and do the comedy thing or try and, like, uh, be almost satirical about other games. 
as I said, when we say about it, it, it takes a few digs at the Kojima side of things. Lean into it a bit more if you're going to do it, not just that halfway house that they've done where it's the interruptions and the and the discussions and stuff like that because that doesn't quite fit with the tone of the game or the original game. Yeah. So, But, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that they've really missed an opportunity, which is a, a crying, crying shame. But it's got to be, we, we could be wrong because I'll just have a quick look on Steam. It's 15 quid. That's a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> I think I got it for 12. I think it was on in, yeah. in a sale uh, for a week or um, something. And it's got very positive reviews, so we may well be in the minority. But yeah, no, I, I, we've, I, I, that's the feeling I was starting to get. Um, and obviously you've played more and stuff. I mean, the character's called Jesse Fox. That's, you know, you, you, they're going full on with um, names and stuff like that, yeah. you know, to really ape on the Metal Gear Solid series. But yeah, yeah, it's not it's not great. It's not bad. Again, I think we've put this in the, it's an average for us, both of us, I think it's, it's average and that's fine. Yeah. And we seem to be in the minority. So there you go. <laughs> I think, you know, they're made, they're, oh, I don't want to criticise people, especially as it sounds like I'm doing a backhanded criticism of the game at the same time. But, you know, I think the, there can be some confirmation bias of when you buy a game and you've paid your money and you've been invested in it emotionally because you've, yeah. you've played it in early access and the desire to, to give it a good review it must be quite strong. And one of the another good thing about Steam, and honestly, I'm not Steam Lapdog, although I sound like one and I've got a Steam Deck on pre-order, and please just don't listen to anything I say. But the, the good thing about Steam is that it has, it splits all-time reviews and recent reviews in terms of scoring. So you can see yeah. whether something is considered. So it, it helps mainly with review bombing for, for the when things come out. Yeah. But it, it's also a good barometer for, you know, years down the line of whether things hold up and you know yeah I would say yeah if you're on the fence then wait for a year and see what the reviews are like and if they're still strong then I'm a clown who doesn't know what he's talking about so go for it but yeah but again this is whole thing isn't it again just to touch on this we've touched on this so many times not everyone has to like the same thing no that's right and so I mean I've just it's only just occurred to me when I've just checked it this is by the um, unepic team and Unepic, I thought, was an absolutely outstanding Metroidvania-style RPG game. Um, so, you know, they, they maybe, you know, they've got good history as well. But for some, it doesn't always hit. Not everyone likes the Shawshank Redemption or Fight Club. This is true. It's, yeah. And apparently, apparently, not everyone loves Tetris. Oh, I can't believe mm. that. I'm sorry. Mm. No. no. I don't know. Lies. Don't. Lies, lies, lies. Yeah, don't listen to me. I like the Ascent. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I've got, um, so after that, I've got no more games. Um, and unfortunately, I'm about to sort of really change the mood of the podcast. So trigger warning ahead of time. We're going to talk a little bit about self-harm um, over the next few minutes. And some realisations I've had over over the years. So... If you want to bow out now, bow out. Thank you for listening to the game stuff. I do know that this this stuff can be hard for some people. But when I was younger, when I was being bullied, I self-harmed a, a, a bit with the like what's probably the most well-known self-harm, which is cutting yourself. I've never done anything too 
too major because I was desperate to hide it at the same time. So it'd be lots of little scratches and stuff like that, or sort of like pigeon, just to write really hurt myself. And I know sort of like some people who self-harm, they would go really deep and they still live with the scars um, today. This all came about where um, the speed skater, Elise Christie, has been talking about her mental health and she, and, the, um, and how a lot of athletes apparently do, um, she said, self-harm because they can't take drugs or do drink because it's it's reflected in like their, their tests and that they have to have. So they, they resort to self-harm. And she's got her scars and she's done tattoos around her, like based around her scars and everything to try and remind herself that she's a stronger person and everything like that, which is really, really good. Yeah. And then some, I saw someone else talking about self-harm and they, they was talking about other ways they self-harm. They said, I didn't cut myself. And they said, what I used to do was they used to basically drink to a certain amount where they felt sick but without being drunk. So they used to sort of like drink in such a way that they wouldn't ever get drunk. It'd be show, but they would, they make themselves physically sick because they, they, they needed to feel that pain and stuff like that. And I was like, Jesus. Okay. And then I was, I was trying to think about my own life. I went, cause I went, I haven't self-harmed since I was about 14, you know, and I started thinking about it and just went, Oh wow. No, I've been self-harming ever since. Like my diabetes, the lack of control of my diabetes is a conscious decision. None of, none of it has ever been, oh, you know, sub, you know, subconsciously I've, I've not done it. I've consciously not cared about my diabetes, which has like wrecked me in so many ways. My vision issues now are down to that. My, you know, uh, the issues with my feet are down to that. My drastic weight loss, my weight going back on, my lack of energy, fact that I'm, I'm gradually falling apart health wise is all down to consciously not controlling my diabetes and I've done that and it's a a version of self-harm and another thing that I've been doing I've always done is I will never go personally and like give myself a wound but whenever I would get a wound it would start off small so say like I bash my knee on a table you, know, you get a little like a small little cut where it's bled I'd pick at it and pick at it and pull at it and pick at it until it got worse and worse and worse and then sort of like so you get bigger wounds and, and it would hurt when you're pulling at it and stuff like that and you're, you're picking away you're trying to make it bigger speak someone that's self-harm and I didn't realize I was actually self doing self-harm and like at one stage I was getting infections in my leg getting ulcers in my leg because I was I was picking and then it'd get like really bad at one point my, my um, left calf area blew up to like three times its size and took some um, antibiotics doctor turned around and went you've got a really you cannot touch these wounds um, they will just get worse and I started off like, okay, I won't touch them. As it started to get better, I started playing with them again. Sort of like, again, feel free to bleep if anyone doesn't want to listen or, or, you know, for the next few seconds, squeeze the pus out and stuff like that uh, because it hurt and I needed to feel feel that hurt. But I wasn't perp- like consciously going, I need to feel the hurt um, or anything like that. And it's only sort of over the past couple of weeks thinking about this, going, I, I've been self-harming for... 25 years yeah and i i didn't realize and i know this actually, i didn't realize there was other ways of self-harming because the one that gets talked about and again, this isn't to belittle people who self-harm by cutting themselves or anything like that um but that's the one that always gets the focus oh you're cutting yourself that's that's you know self-harming and it's tragic 
But alcoholics, gamblers, drug addicts, it's all self-harm. It's all it's all to do with something that's caused you, whether it's, you know, it is mental health, whether it's you've been bullied, whether you've been sexually assaulted, raped, anything that's happened as a child, anything like that, all leads to that. And they're all versions of self-harm, self-destruction. Um, and I, I, I'm like everyone else where at some point in my life I've, I've heard about an alcoholic and gone, oh, you've just got to stop drinking. We've all done it because we don't understand it. But more and more now am I understanding how easy it is for someone to go down that path of drink, drugs, gambling, all of that. It's not just addictive nature. It's because you almost want to lose. You want to fail. You want to feel that pain because you need something. And that's what I was doing with my diabetes and again, this is not a point where I'm going, I'll solve anything or it's a point. It's something I've got to get out there that I think if you know anybody and you notice any change in their behaviour, whether you hear, oh, suddenly like they, they, they're always feeling a bit sick or, you know, or they're drinking a bit too much at any one point or, or just something, connect with them. I don't, uh, maybe you don't need to ask outright, is something wrong? But keep an eye, connect with them, be there. Uh, because, again, no one really understood what I was doing because I was so secretive over it. Um, and because I'm not a pe- like around people all the time, maybe people aren't able to see any like differences in, in what I do or don't pick up on the fact, oh, Brad's got another infection. You know, or why, why is that happening? But if you've got anyone close to you, um, you know, and you do, like, please be there for them in some way, shape or form. Or just be ready. Sometimes, as, as Thomas says, be ready to pick up the pieces because you might not notice until it's too late. And I, I'm lucky that I've got a loving family around me. Um, I've got like Stu. You know, you're always there for me to sort of like reach out to and talk to, whether it's via the podcast or in private. We've got the Discord channel. Not obviously kind of promotion with this side of it, but it is so like self harm is not just cutting yourself. Um, and I think we're doing a huge mis- disservice for for that. Um, yeah, it's you know I think the same comes down to suicide as well. Uh, people assume suicide is where you in that moment try and take your own life. And again, I've been guilty of thinking this when I've tried to kill myself on three separate occasions when I was in my teens. Look at alcoholics who are drinking themselves to death. What do you think they're actually doing? They don't want to be here. An alcoholic who drinks themselves, drinks so much every single day. They're not doing it because they like the alcohol. They're not even doing it. for Some of them do it because hopefully in their mind, one day they won't wake up. And it's, it's, yeah, it's just really sort of like, I don't know why I've had this epiphany over the past few weeks. I've been waiting for the right time to talk about it. And I don't think there is ever a right time to talk about things. But that's why I decided sort of like now I just want to say something. I've, I've been self-harming for years and I've learned now it's nothing to be ashamed of. And if you are someone who who does have secretly self-harm in ways that aren't just the cutting yourself or anything, please do reach out if you have to, to anyone, anyone who can be there as a crutch for you. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That's a great way of, 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 of helping with these things. And, you know, it's, it's part of my background for the part of my adult life. And, you know, at least trying to help, but not by doing anything, you know, you're not, not yeah. taking an active stance, but just taking a listening stance. Because, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 every day is a school day, 
you know yeah e- every person is different and uh, there's a few things that are kind of hopefully more well known like you know that people try and self-medicate with alcohol so try and if what we mean by that is treat the way that they feel the bad things that they feel through the escape of having a substance that takes you away from it you know things that you might not be more cognizant of like you know if people have an issue in their lives that makes them do something that benefits other people that's very often not criticized yeah so if you're if you're like a workaholic for example you're very driven you run constantly you know any of these things that can be positive in some aspects of life can have a negative they can be overused and that was a revelation to me when I found out about that years ago you know and it's just knowing these things on the surface is only a gateway into listening to people's personal experiences of them so I thought that was a roundabout way of saying you know you talking about it now is really important because every time you hear somebody's story it's new it's news because it's an in everybody's so individual and so unique that it's always going to be different and all you can do is build that into your life and try and be more understanding from it um so yeah to echo what you said it's really important that that people have somebody to talk to about it yeah and it's hard to talk about how, how to put this one through is find something that you can hang on to. If you are someone who, who does suffer, find something you can hang on to to give you something to look forward to. Um, and if you know someone, be there to be help be that thing sometimes that they can look forward to. And I, I, will, I will say outright now, doing mental health gaming via the site and especially now the podcast is something that always gives me something to look forward to because if I have to, I can release, I can I can talk about these things, which is good. Or at the very least, I can talk just about video games and it's a distraction from it. It's, it, you know, sometimes that is a delay and it might only work for a couple of hours, but I've, I've honestly had weeks where I've gone, I mean, like much earlier, I'm, I'm much more under control now, but where I've gone, I don't, I, I just don't want to be here anymore. But I'll wait until after Tuesday because we've got to record. And that's enough for me to to sort of get through that section. And, and it can sound really silly or stupid to some people, but it's those little things that really, really help. And I've spoke before, some people might do it like watching Coronation Street could be enough to keep them going for that that that, that day uh, because there's a storyline they really need to see the end of. I've spoke about waiting for certain games to come out or wait when I was waiting like at times I wanted to like end my own life. It was like, well, oh, Liverpool are doing well, we might win the league, and I really want to see us win the league again yeah. before before I go. Yeah. It's those little things that can seem really really silly. They are not. Never let go of the little things. But again, if you do need any help any support there's always someone there you may not know them right now but there is always someone there that's true absolutely and i don't just completely just you know shill samaritans all the time i would say if you have struggles trying to find somebody that you trust or feel ready to open up to then they're always a good outlet for that 
yeah yeah no definitely and I, i've used them once before and i got quite aggressive on the phone as well not threatening them or anything like that but it was just very i was shouting a lot and they're saints they really are they sit there they let you go and they will intervene if they have to but generally i just they are there as a sounding board and the one time i've used them they were absolutely outstanding no that's good to know yeah yeah anything that that you can get you through a situation that's positive yeah should be should be used yeah yeah definitely so that's really it from me again i know i probably waffled some of that repeated a few things but hey if you're listening to us you know what i'm like by now um (laughs) so it's at this point i tell myself to shut up and pass over to Stu to add anything he wishes to add or take us out yeah so next week i mean i've had a really bad week um and i'll probably talk about it on next week's show I've nothing to hide. It's to do with family illness. But, you know, like Brad said, there's things to look forward to as well. And I sort of hold to that when I'm going through difficult times, you know, as recommended by Brad. And, you know, one of those things is Metroid Dread, which is coming out next week. I'm looking forward to as something on the horizon. Uh, You know, I don't have to have stuff to make me happy but experiences and experiences that I can then share like online and chatting to you guys on the podcast and then doing the podcast about it that that's always a really good thing so I know it's reassuring to me that there are things in the future that that I can look forward to especially when you know you're living in a time like we are in the UK particularly but all over the world where there's a lot of stress and fear and anxiety so yes never feel bad about having pleasant things to hold on to and on that note we'll leave it there all that remains to be said is have a good week stay safe and stay sane